Hi, welcome to Piloting. I'm Renee. And I'm Melissa. And we're your hosts. Piloting is a podcast for people who refuse to live on autopilot, where we celebrate risk takers, go-getters, and anyone craving a change. How are you this week, Melissa? I am good. I'm shaking off all the giggles we just had in preparation for this podcast. Um, But I'm feeling good. We're in a new city, and so I have those, like, new city feelings surfacing where half of you is like, oh, my God, did we really just do this? Are we here? (laughs) Did I make the right decision? But then it's also balanced and paired with the excitement of finding your new routine your new local Trader Joe's, your new grocery store, your Target, all that stuff's important. Um, So it's been both exciting and nerve-wracking at the same time, but mostly good. And how about you? you? Ooh, um, I've been good. I just came home today um, from New York and I had a really great weekend. Uh, It was kind of a it was a big weekend. I was in New York City for the flood, whirlpool, rain apocalypse <laughs> that happened. Uh, luckily, I'm safe. All of my friends are safe. But it was a very wet weekend, which kind of threw off some plans. But um, I was able to see some people, which was fun. And then the New York Film Festival started this past weekend. And I love film festivals. I, I've been to the New York one a couple of times. And saw a documentary which actually made me think of you it was about an undocumented filipino family in la and just kind of what that immigration journey and experience is like living undocumented and trying to get legal authorization to be in the u.s and kind of what does home mean it it was it was really interesting and i mean as an immigrant myself I, i i always am drawn to stories about people who have a complicated relationship with where is home because like whenever anyone asks me that I always pause. I'm like, I have like three different answers I could give you. (laughs) So it was good. Yeah. It's a good weekend. Ooh, that, um, a, I want the name of that documentary. I did see that in your stories and I was like, Oh, Filipino family. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it reminds me of the tenement museum in the Lower East Side in New York City. I don't know if you've ever been. Uh, um, I haven't, actually. I, it's it's kind of pricey, to be fair. It's like $30 for one ticket, uh, and you get to choose from several different tours. But what I remember and what I recall is essentially anything that is three families living in one apartment or like one floor or something like that is described as a tenement. Um, and so mm. typically, historically, these tenements are resided by immigrant families. Um, and so it just sort of goes through like families who lived here before, how they made money, how they lived back in the day. And then um, they all like lived in this huge block of apartments and it got shut down like t- gosh, 40 years ago. And then these people came in and turned it into a museum to tell their stories um, so that just reminded me of that. But yeah, immigrant stories, family stories, like all of that of just, it, it is really interesting to hear how they continue to keep their own cultures alive while also, quote, assimilating into another. 
Yeah, it's called Nowhere Near. So hopefully it gets wider release or that you can like rent it or something online eventually and check it out. After the screening, they actually had the director did a Zoom Q&A afterwards. It was so beautiful, but so heart wrenching because like he was saying, you know, oh, he's no longer in the, the US. And he was talking about how this was such a great moment for him, like one of the biggest moments in his career. It's like to not be able to be in person in the US mm-hmm. to like share the story directly and have to do it through a, a digital medium. I was like, oh my God, like it, it just really like opens up a lot of empathy for like the struggle that people go through. And I don't know, it just makes me realize like how lucky I am that my immigration story was, you know, easier mm-hmm. and you know, a lot less complicated to come to the U.S. And you came here at like 13, right? Mm-hmm. I came at 13 and my dad was, he became a citizen in his adult life, I believe. I'm not sure what the process was. And so because he was a citizen and got a job with a U.S. Mm. company, my sister and I were able to be grandfathered in. And then my mom had to go through the naturalization process to take the test, study, and get sworn in. But it did help having like one parent who was already became a U.S. citizen before. You know, it's kind of hard mm-hmm. if you're starting off and everyone is a foreigner. Um, and even like before we became citizens, like the green card process, like the limitations of how much you can move around with a green card. So even when you are doing it legally, there there are just like a lot of hoops and things to to keep in mind. And obviously that's way worse if if you're if you're not a part of the green card process. And, you know. Yeah, I know um, some extended family has had issues with it. And um, like Eric's family, they had to be split up for a little bit because when they came to the Philippines, he was born here, but his brothers weren't. Same thing with like my dad and my mom. So yeah, a lot lot of trickiness around that. And I'm still to this day, like I'm not an immigration lawyer. I don't know much about it. I am. I was born here, but my parents are immigrants um, to the U.S. So, <sighs> just yeah, putting out good vibes and luck to those who are going through that because it's shit. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not easy. Um, but taking us a sharp right <laughs> turn, <laughs> full ninety degree <laughs> angle. Yeah, away from that. um, What are we talking about today, Melissa? We are talking about something I think we are all familiar with. We may have gone through one ourselves slash going through one right now. Hi. Um, And that's quarter life crises Mm -hmm. or having and going through a quarter life crisis. And... Why I love that we're talking about this is, A, I think it's one of the most relatable AF topics <laughs> that we're going to talk through today. And yeah. yeah, just unpack, like, how do we even get to this point? Is having a quarter of, like, crisis inevitable or can we actually avoid those? And if you're going through it, how to grow through it and how to get out of it, really? Yeah, I think for me, my biggest issue with this phrasing is even just in the name Mm. quarter life crisis, 
Because I think that just creates this energy of like, it's a crisis, it's panic, it's it's this awful mm. tense. I mean, I'm, I don't have my dictionary in front of me, but people don't tend to use the word crisis in a good setting. Fair. And sometimes I guess it does feel, I mean, I feel like I'm going through a quality life crisis. I feel like I have been going through a quality life crisis for several years. But <laughs> me too. Hey. <laughs> but I, I don't. I mean, does it always have to be a crisis? I mean, sometimes it definitely feels like it. I know one of my friends. She said something really powerful to me, and she said sometimes a break, a breakthrough feels like a breakdown in the moment. Sometimes, mm. and I was like, that's so true. Like in the moment, it does feel like this is the biggest crisis, but. When you get to the other side, whether that takes two minutes or 20 years, you know, it just it, it's just a natural thing in life of like, all right, I've, I've gone through a bit of a change, a transition, an evolution, and I'm on the other side of this crisis. But why do we th- why do we call it a crisis? Maybe it's just a, a moment to reevaluate and be like, hey, something's not working. Let's let's go for a tune up. Let's. It's got a new car. You know, it does need like a rebranding because to your point, hearing the word crisis, <laughs> you you go into panic mode. And I mean, it does kind of feel like a panic though. At least my previous quarter life crisis moments have felt like one. Um, mm-hmm. And it's – Like, where does it even stem from and how does it even start? And I'm curious if a midlife crisis was – was that the term first coined? And then now because of our generation, (laughs) it's become like a – now it's, oh, why wait till your 50s to have a midlife crisis? Let's have one in your 20s. Maybe because – Let's have a couple before you die. Let's have a few more. (laughs) And – so the first time I've ever heard the term quarter life crisis, people are, okay, people are going to think I'm in some John Mayer fan club. By people, I mean you, Renee. <laughs> You're in a cult. <laughs> John Mayer cult. But <laughs> for real, for real, in John Mayer's song, why <laughs> – I'm about to whip up some lyrics. Hold, please. Pulling up my Spotify. In John Mayer's song called Why Georgia, okay, this song was on the Room for Squares album in 2001. So I'm 11 at that point in time, right? Yeah, I'm 11. Okay. And in his song Why Georgia, a few lines of the lyrics, make it wooden places to make it feel like home, but all I feel is alone. It might be be a quarter life crisis or just a stirring in my soul either way i wonder sometimes about the outcome of a still verdictless life am i living it right um so personally that's the first time i've ever heard the the term quarter life crisis um i know that john Mayer did not coin that (laughs) but that's when i was like first introduced to it and i liked how he sort of compared it to is it me having a crisis or is it just a stirring in my soul? Kind of like how you were mentioning it. Like, is it just a tune-up that I need? Is it just mm. an adjustment that I need to make? Is it just like a flag that's being raised of like, girl, hold up. 
like I think we were supposed to go that way. You missed the direct, like you missed the exit. Now make a U-turn. Um. Ah. <laughs> I like all of those images. And for those people who are wondering why we say that Melissa's in a John Mayer cult, it's because several of her friends have John Mayer lyrics tattooed on their bodies. <laughs> and, um, and I'm my... not convinced that Melissa doesn't have one as well. I am... She's just not telling us about. I am tattooless, but I do love John Mayer songs. I love his music. Anyway, not in a cult, but <laughs> these lyrics. I like, no, I liked that lyric a lot. I, I think those are nice. Uh, not Nice sounds bland. I, I really, those, those spoke to me. I like that a lot. And it's funny that like this song came out when we were 11, <laughs> showing our age. Oops. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> and that the term though, I mean, I've known the lyrics since I've heard the song and I've been like singing it forever. And now I'm like, oh, now I'm like living it. <laughs> yeah. I think like what you mentioned before about the midlife crisis, I heard about midlife crises first. And I think when I first heard about them, I was super young and it was just this stereotype of the dad who buys a motorcycle in his 40s and wants to leave his wife for like a Mm 25-year-old. It was just this like one note kind of picture of this is a midlife crisis. It was always a man and it was always about trying to recapture his youth at this older age. And as someone who didn't know anything about life, even though I'm sure at 10 I thought I did, I was like, oh, that's so tacky. That's so corny. Now, as I've gotten older, I actually have a lot of empathy for that desire to Mm. want to reconnect to your younger self or, like you said, have this urgency to say, I missed the exit and I've gone so far past it. Like, we have to, like, pump – I'm trying to make, like, a car metaphor and I know it's going to be a hot mess, (laughs) but (laughs) – We have to like step on the gas to get back there. So, and I don't know, I I just, I have a lot of empathy for that desire now as I get older to want to hang on to moments and not, you know, get excited about like moving into new stages without letting go of older ones. Mm -hmm. And with quarter life crises, like it's happening so young. It's like, we're all realizing earlier in our lives, oh, I have to make this move. And I think it's just like our obsession with being young, you know, I think for our generation, and it's even worse now for people younger than us on TikTok, but in our generation, it was like, oh, you didn't start Facebook at 21. You don't have 18 Grammys at 16. You weren't discovered on Vine when you were 11, like you're behind in life. And so any like 19 or 24 year old who doesn't have it all figured out just goes into a panic and it's like, I'm having a quarter life crisis because I don't know what I'm doing. When I think that's kind of normal to like, it's exceptional to know what you're doing with your life at 24. Like, but we've kind of, I don't know, we've kind of accepted the opposite and think, oh, everyone should know. And if I don't, I'm the one who's out of step when I think it's the opposite. Uh, Yeah. I think you hit it right on the head too. And I mean, I feel like we get that pressure from, society and things historically anyway um because back then it was you back then you had less options question mark and Mm. you basically were like choose your path choose your adventure 
and there's only five of them. So, okay. Now, (laughs) it's sort of like the world is your oyster. You can do whatever you want and the the options are limitless. And it is disheartening to see people, uh, as inspiring and motivating as it sometimes can be, to see 17-year-olds who are millionaires because they do dances on TikTok. Like I'm not trying to diminish the hard work that they do, but it's so not easy, but it's just possible. Like it's those things weren't as possible before. And so, yeah, I really liked your sentiment about, you know, being 24 and knowing what you want is exceptional, but it's not the expectation. Right. Like, Mm. Uh, So I want to add that caveat. And because I actually had my quarter life crisis at 23, I can share that little anecdote um, (laughs) that there is this this, like this moment where you are playing the comparison game and you see the people doing all the things that they're quote supposed to be doing, graduate at a certain time, finding a lifetime, like lifelong partner, getting married, spending thousands of dollars on a wedding, doing all these things that we say – Yes, that's what it means to be an adult. And that's what it means to be a success. And so I feel like some of those people who aren't on that path or aren't on that journey at the time are now having the quote quarter life crisis. But here's my theory. This just popped into my head. Love it. I feel like those who have the quarter life crises don't get the midlife one. (laughs) And the reason why I say this is because those who don't experience the quarter-life crisis have more chances of having a midlife crisis because I do have empathy for those who go through that. And I think the reason why a majority of us may have one is because we live a life dedicated to the things that we think people want from us and we don't Mm -hmm. live the life that we actually want to live because if we are living the life that we want to live and doing the things that we want to do we're not having the crisis we're just like thriving we're just living and the reason why we're having this crisis is because we're in this like weird messy middle of like what do I do with my life what is going on I am financially unstable I am mentally unstable emotionally unstable (laughs) and all these things because we're not actually doing what we want to do. And so it's that moment that you have to decide to start living for yourself and like your wants and doing that. And it could prevent you from having the midlife crisis. I mean, I say this as a 30 something year old who hopefully lives a long life and has, has her, you know, a midlife crisis a lot later in life. Um, And so 20-something years from now, we're going to have to look back on this episode to see if we're actually having the midlife crisis (laughs) um, and and what the study is. But I don't know. I feel like that's an interesting theory. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I like your theory. I think whether you call it quarter life or midlife, it kind of, like you said, boils down to that same idea of – I'm not living for myself. I'm on autopilot. I'm trying to meet other people's expectations. And the crisis is really more of an awakening of like, how long did it take me to wake up to the fact that what I'm doing isn't what I want to be doing or what I, in my heart, 
feel is like more in alignment with where I should be. So for some people, they realize that early on and kind of grapple with it in their 20s. Other people, they might realize it, but they don't start to act on it until later. And then I guess that's why it becomes a midlife crisis. Other people have their awakening at 75 and they say, listen, Mm -hmm. it's never too late. Like I'm going to shake things up now. I think for me too, one of the things about quarter life crises that has been, I mean, as uncomfortable as it is to just look around and be like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Everything is out of control. One of the things I like about this kind of entry of the quarter life crisis into our lexicon, like into the zeitgeist is, like I said, a lot of the images I had of midlife crises were of men. Like that was the stereotype that I saw in media. And what I sort of took from that subliminally is that men are allowed to not know what they want and kind of have to reevaluate. Mm-hmm. But as a woman, we didn't really see that confusion or taking of missteps. And so like as a young girl growing into a what? Not a girl. I'm not going to sing Britney Spears. Not <laughs> yet. I was so out of key. Oh <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but like when I was like in my Britney Spears like transition into womanhood, I felt like <laughs> As a woman, it was just expected that I was supposed to know what I was doing. Like, men are allowed to fall apart and get the motorcycle. Like, we don't really mm-hmm. see the woman say, I'm getting my moped. Until we started talking about quarter-life crises. And I think for me, as messy, and people have whatever opinions they're going to have about this show, but I think that was one of the beautiful things about the TV show Girls on HBO, mm-hmm. was that it it leaned into women are allowed to not know what they're doing. They're allowed to be a hot mess. (laughs) And we're not going to wrap up the season with, we all figured it out and everyone got it right in the end. (laughs) It's like, no. Spoiler alert. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) It's not a spoiler. I don't remember all the specifics. I actually don't either. (laughs) But um, yeah, I think it it was helpful for me because I think at least for what I saw visually in the media was that quarter life crises felt like it was more gender neutral. Like anyone's allowed mm. to ask questions and not know. And it kind of broke this idea that I had taken in that only men get to not know what they're doing. But with the quarter life crisis, we all get to be confused. <laughs> so whether that's a pro or a con, you get to fall apart and you get to fall apart too. <laughs> you get a breakdown and you get a breakdown and you get a And everybody gets a breakdown. <laughs> Thank you, Oprah. <laughs> and you know what you said earlier, breakdowns are just a pit stop on the way to a breakthrough. I really, really like that visual and that sentiment as well because, yeah, how else are we supposed to put ourselves together if we don't, like, fall apart first? And maybe we're romantic mm. – maybe we're romanticizing and somewhat uh, dramatizing the idea of falling apart because I just feel like nowadays <laughs> we're all just like, yeah, hey, what's up? Yeah, I'm in the middle of my mentee B right now, but <laughs> – Mental breakdown, okay? For for millennials and up who may be listening to this podcast, a mentee B is a mental breakdown. 
Gen Z slang Gen with Melissa. Jalen, <laughs> what are you going to teach us next week? Oh God, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Just in case, um, but yeah, we like joke about having a minty bee all the time, and this sort of like chaos. But I, I mean, I, I feel like you kind of have to have it. Like I don't know if there's really, I don't know if is there a way to actually even avoid having a quarter life crisis um i feel like there is a way to avoid a midlife crisis because you just have so many more years to get to that point um but a is it okay to have a quarter life crisis are we being dramatic calling it a crisis like you mentioned before um but i kind of am erring on the side of at some point while we're in this transition from being in school and that sort of like system, and then if you decide to go into college or any or starting to work, whichever path you take, and then you're like thrown mm. into the real world, unless we do better transitions and teachings in traditional school to prepare people for it, I feel like it's inevitable inevitable for us to have that quarter life crisis um and just with a a wonderful recipe of economy and how much rent is and layoffs and toxic work cultures (laughs) i'm like we are all gonna have one (laughs) at some point or we've all been in one for like the past decade (laughs) Yeah, what I was going to say is I don't think everyone has to have a quarter life crisis. Um, I'm not the one to tell you how to avoid it. <laughs> that was my I next question. No, I'm just kidding. No, I, I do, I'm not the keeper of the keys on this one. But I do know some people who sort of knew what they wanted to do from a young age, certain circumstances in life, some by choice, some by luck kind of worked out in such a way that things unfolded the way more or less they maybe thought they would. Not to say that they didn't have challenges in life, but I I, I know some people who didn't have quarter-life crises and seem really well-adjusted, and that's great. Like, I also don't want people to feel like I have to have a wound to share. <laughs> like, if, if you don't have one, that's great. Like, <laughs> If your life hasn't been but- toxic, good for you. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's beautiful. Like, tell us about it. <laughs> Couldn't be me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, um, you know, like, that's great. But I don't even know where I was going with this. <laughs> I, and so, I don't know, maybe this is like my hot take. And I'm, I, I hope no one takes like offense to what I'm saying and or creating panic and chaos when it's not needed but I feel like for those who do know what they want from an early age is that true or are you like are you just like a unicorn or are you on your way to having a midlife crisis (laughs) since you seem to avoid the quarter life one Melissa has determined that everyone should have a break but I know what you mean though I actually know what you mean like there are I think I think it's both I think there are some people who 
know what they want. That never changes. And they are consistently, I don't want to say happy, but content. Mm -hmm. Things are up and down. No one's life is perfect. But I think some people do just ride those waves and are able to get through that easily. And then to your point, I also know some people who things seem like they're smooth sailing for a while until they're not Mm -hmm. until, you know, they have these big questions later in life of why didn't I explore something different? Why didn't I try this? Why did I just commit to the first path? And, you know, I, I, it's, it's hard to say. I think, I think some of that is, personality driven to an extent as well like I know I've had this conversation with um like when I'm just like chatting with my girlfriends about like guys and like relationships and stuff where like we've said for uh, I mean the people I'm talking about usually did not end up with their first love or like the first person they had a crush on and we've always been like that's great I don't think that would have been the right, speaking for myself, mm-hmm. I don't think that would have been the right path for me. I'm not saying that I needed to play the field, but I I think I'm someone who, if I had just like gone with the first good thing that happened, I would wake up at 40 and have a lot of questions about, well, what else is out there? What else, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like for, for my personality, like that sort of appetite that I have and curiosity just to know what's out there just to see things like for me I I needed more experiences before I could make make a commitment that I felt like I could really honor long term not everyone's like that some people are like nope met you at 14 and that's it I don't need anything else and that's just a different and they mean it Mm -hmm. and I think they will mean it forever it's like different I don't want to assume that everyone has my like interest to explore a bunch of different things. Like some people are, some people are happy to get it right the first time. (laughs) Like, and I, I don't want to tell them that that's not true for them. (laughs) It it might be. Yeah, that's fair too. And, and we're all, I don't know. We just, who's to, who's to say and who's to tell what can happen in life and Mm -hmm. there are just so many moments that really can change you and I think maybe that's the um maybe like a core theme is that who who can say what can happen in life because there I mean things that we can't even control as well and then there are things Mm -hmm. that we can control, but change is an e- inevitable as well. Change is the only constant, right? Like we've heard that forever and ever. And it's true. And people people can change and circumstances can change. And that, I, you know, whether it's like a we're talking about a relationship or just even like your relationship with yourself or something groundbreaking can happen, happen life-shifting that can really like thrust you into a whole other like universe, <laughs> a whole other journey. Yeah, path. no, you make a good distinction too. And I think that is important that one people change, like we change, but also two 
things can change you. Mm -hmm. And it's not just like the natural, oh, I change, I grow, whatever. I mean, me, had I not migrated to the US, like that's a, that's an event in my life that has changed me in ways that I probably will never understand. I would have a very different life, maybe a different outlook, a whole different perspective had I not migrated from the country I was born in. You know, you could, you know, there's just so many big events in life that happen that can change you that, like you said, shape your personality, your choices. Maybe you, yeah, it, it, there's just so much out of our control that it is hard to, hard to say. Also, I think what I was trying to get to earlier was that I think life is very different now. Like a lot of the people I'm thinking of who maybe haven't had a mental breakdown, let's start calling it mental breakdown, who haven't had a quarter life crisis <laughs> or like a, a major one. They're also people in my life, at least who are a little older. And I think just the world they grew up in was different from ours like the social media the access to information the speed that we you know it's just a very different society that we are growing up in than other people do and there are a lot of benefits to the time that we're living in but it you know it brings new challenges and new circumstances that maybe exacerbate anxiety and you know comparison now we can we have more transparent more visibility into other people's day-to-day lives in a way that we didn't before so that might create more agita if well melissa's life looks great on instagram like why doesn't my you know i i I think we are also living in a different we have access to different tools that like create new issues for us yeah and then just managing that with managing societal expectations your own expectations and the pressure you have on yourself. You always feeling like you're uh, playing catch up all the time. Like I think a lot of that can lead to feeling like you're on the verge or in the middle of a quarter life crisis. And Mm -hmm. the the thing I like though about a crisis, a quarter life crisis, if we're, if we still want to call it that is just this moment of you called it an awakening and I really liked that visual as well of, I I mean, I, and I think that's exactly what it is. Honestly, is you're, you just realize some, something that you were doing at one point that was, you were fine with either brought you joy or you were fine with isn't doing that anymore. And so it's a moment where you get to take a step back and you're like, hold on a second. It, doesn't feel great in the moment. It feels like you're like you're off track. You're like running late. You're doing all these things, um, but it's something maybe even meant to happen because you get to start asking yourself these questions you didn't really have an opportunity to ask yourself in the first place. Um, and then you you start sort mm-hmm. of start like digging and like really taking note and doing like a like a honestly like a body scan of yeah. is this really what I want to, really want I want to be doing am I feeling the butterflies that I thought I had been feeling before and it's a check in with yourself and um you know some relationship advice I, I know I'm talking about we're talking about yourself but I'm going to take this advice from like relationship and 
they say like some of the best relationship, friendship, or, you know, romantic relationship, um, ways to be better communicating with your partner, et cetera, is like the, having check-ins, um, whatever cadence you and your partner decide to do, um, you know, you can call them meetings if you want, where you just talk to each other and you're like, you know, how was this month for us? Like, was I a good partner to you? Is there stuff that I could be working on? Here are some things I want to flag. And like doing so in mm-hmm. like a safe, comfortable, non-threatening like kind of way. We, you know, that's advice for making sure the relationship you have is successful. I think we should be asking ourselves the same question to ourselves. Like, what are some things <laughs> that we've been doing <laughs> this month that we could be working on? Were there any red flags? Were there any pink flags? Um, you know, and I think that uh, having a quarter life crisis sort of like <laughs> speeds up the process of getting those questions answered. <laughs> Yeah, it either speeds up the process of getting those questions answered or it creates urgency for you to identify mm-hmm. that you need to ask yourself questions if you weren't doing that before. Yeah. To be like, you know, something's not clicking. And it doesn't have to be a whole massive career change, you know, end my relationship, change my job field. I mean, sometimes those things happen. But I even know, I know someone who, uh, they, 9-11, like, really impacted them. And for them, what that looked like was there was a hobby that they had always wanted to try that they just kept putting off. And after, you know, kind of processing the events of 9-11, they decided to pick up that hobby. And that hobby's become a big part of their life. It's created a lot of friendships mm-hmm. and brought them a lot of joy. But it's not what they do for work. It is not connected to their romantic or family life. It is not generating income. It is just a hobby. But it's still like in that moment of crisis of, gosh, this huge thing has happened. Again, like you said, change can happen to you. How do I process? The answer doesn't have to be uproot everything. In their case, it was just let me add this one thing that can bring me immense joy and fulfillment. And I think. That that that's nice too because I think part of the crisis and the reason why people wait till it becomes a quarter life crisis instead of making those small tweaks along the way is that at least in my case like I'm afraid to crack the door open because then the flood will come in. I know it's just gonna bring in this deluge of so many big questions and so many big decisions that are scary and they're gonna take a lot of courage that I'm not ready to act on all at once. So I'm just going to keep putting it off until it all bubbles up into one big crisis moment Mm -hmm. where in theory, I guess kind of going back to your question of everyone has a mentee, I don't think everyone has a breakdown or a crisis. I think everyone asks themselves questions. The people who don't have the crisis are just better about making those adjustments, I think, along the way and not waiting until they all are forced to deal with it. Mm -hmm. At the same time. Well, I think you just gave advice to how to avoid a quarter life crisis. Although I haven't avoided one. So like really take anything <laughs> I'm saying with a grain of salt. 
<laughs> but I think you, I think what you were saying helped me start putting those dots together in my brain. <laughs> I think that makes complete sense. And I feel like we should have had this episode when I was 23. <laughs> really, this podcast. Likewise. <laughs> really, this podcast is our own healing journey for the young teenager and child <laughs> versions of ourselves. I know. You know, when people say things like, oh, write a letter to your younger self. I'm like, I'm doing it right now. I do it every I week. <laughs> that is what this is. This is the letter. This is everything. Hindsight 2020. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't even know if it's a 2020, but hindsight has slightly clearer vision <laughs> than it did at the time. Um, I guess my <laughs> my last thought on a quarter life crisis is, yeah, I'm kind of convinced now. Maybe we don't have to have one. <laughs> maybe we don't need to be so. <laughs> low you want everyone to have a mental breakdown (laughs) I just it helps me feel better that I have one often (laughs) just like please am I the only one freaking out um yeah but yeah I I I feel I understand what you mean (laughs) you're right though like the reason why it's labeled as a crisis is because these things do bubble up and how do we create these like better moments throughout our lives to check in with ourselves and ensure like we're on the same page with our brain and like head and heart are aligned and, and we're, Mm. you know, we all, we're all doing, honestly, we're all doing the best that we can, but how can we continue to be better? And even though I feel like I am in a quarter life crisis esque moment in my life, it honestly doesn't feel like anything that I felt back when I was 23, so like almost like a decade. My quarter-life crisis feels a lot different than it does, and maybe it's not even a crisis that I'm in. Maybe it's just uh, an awakening, and mm-hmm. you know, I've been given this this opportunity this year with things that have happened to me career-wise and 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 life-wise to reflect and take a moment, take stock, do my little body scan and figure things out instead of just thinking like, oh, I should have been doing this. Like this is this was the path that I thought I was on. Here's the career I thought I needed. It's like, hold on, let's take a moment. Do we still want that? And, you know, and kind of given the freedom Ooh. to choose. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. Like giving yourself permission to say the dream has changed. Cause I think we're all mm-hmm. so laser focused on keep your eye on the prize. Don't deviate. Like, you know what the goal is that sometimes we box ourselves out. We box ourselves out from realizing, wait, I think the prize is different and I, I shouldn't still be running towards a finish line that is no longer pointing in the direction that my compass wants to go. Um, so yeah, keeping your head and heart in alignment is tough. I'm, I'm, I'm similar to you. I think I'm in an awakening phase. I'm, I feel like in my twenties, I definitely had more of the chicken running around with her head cut off. Like, what am I doing? (laughs) Like what's going on? Um, but I think 2022, my word of the year was 
alignment and just like doing and exploring different things that felt like they were in alignment with me. And it gave me a lot of information that when I say I'm in a quarter life crisis right now, I guess it's maybe not a crisis, but I think 2023 and maybe I think probably 2024 as well. It's like I'm now in the the phase of the I have all this information. Mm. What am I going to do with mm-hmm. it? So. It's like the action part now. Yeah. You're, you're like, you got to like yeah. back up the work. Like you, you, you did the work. Like insight to action. Yeah. yeah. We have the insights. So. The data's there. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The data's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do we use this to like move ourselves forward? <laughs> yeah. Well, stick along for the drive. If, if you are someone who's having a crisis, has had one, thinks you're on the brink of your first or next one, you're in good company. Join the club. (laughs) Yeah, join the club. We're here. We're here and we'll be exploring all of that with you because it it can feel really scary. I think it does take a lot of – it's a lot of courage to change your life, but it's also a lot of courage to even ask yourself the question if that – like are there things I might want to change? So – and you said you're doing better than you think. Oh yeah, I love that. yeah. You're, we're doing better than we think. And you said this earlier too of like you are if you didn't know this yet, we give you permission to change your mind, to change routes, to pivot. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that's really one of the hardest steps is just like doing that, just taking the step back. Um and there's nothing wrong with evaluating, there's nothing wrong with asking questions or um, not feeling like something is completely right. Like, trust your gut on that. Uh, you know, Renee's a huge, huge, um, you're the one who told me about this of you're really good at listening to your body and like what your body's telling mm-hmm. you. Marie Forleo says the same thing. Like, do you, like, what does, what is your, you know, like you, your body knows and just using your crisis as and reframing it as like it's it's is it a crisis or is my life just communicating to me what it needs yeah in the words of john mayer is it just a stirring in your soul <laughs> there is okay one last note on this there is an also another quarter life crisis song that people have been using on instagram reels and tiktoks by john mayer not by john mayer sorry this is someone oh. entirely different <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's, it's her name um it's actually called in all caps <laughs> in all caps quarter life crisis and it's by taylor bickett but the the sound bite that oh i don't know her. um it's the sound bite on all the tiktoks that go i swear 16 was yesterday but now i'm closer to 28 oh i've uh, never heard that I, I don't i'm not gonna sing it i'm not going to sing it even though i want to i'm not gonna do that to myself i tried to sing britney spears and it was awful <laughs> we've got enough we've got enough like bad singing <laughs> don't feel pressure it's when people like post the pictures when they were like little babies like you know or not babies but like teenagers and then they show who they are now as like a adult oh i have to listen um, to that song i like that lyric. yeah but she talks about the feelings of a of a quarter life crisis brewing <laughs> yeah I feel like all like I feel like my whole life there'll always be a part of me that still feels like she's 16 
maybe that's where like we're all chasing, right? They they say what there's also another thing where it's like life in your 30s is or 40s is really just making your 13-year-old self happy or something like that. Aww. Like doing all the things that you wanted to do back then. And what's so interesting and then we can move on to gold stars is that I just like want to know and I wish I could go back in time and understand what 13-year-old Melissa was thinking and and was wanting and if we actually knew more back then what was true to us than like what we know now. You know what I mean? Like I I I wonder. I didn't know anything. <laughs> When I was 13, if if someone died at 50, I was like, oh, they lived a full life. And now I'm like, that's like so Maybe young. not those kind of details, but like <laughs> the emotional wants and needs. Oh. <laughs> not- yeah, I was like, no, 13-year-old me was good in school, but dumb about life. <laughs> you were great at school. I would <laughs> – can you just like tell everybody your SAT score? Because I still I remember it. No, I remember your SAT score, which is hilarious to me. I just remember what was it? I don't remember. We it. went back. So when we did our SATs, we went from like the was it like the sixteen hundred or eighteen hundred score, and it changed to oh, like yeah. the twenty six because of the writing, or twenty four, twenty four, yeah. and like yeah, you got like twenty two. Oh, your memory is great. I did not even remember And I that. did not. <laughs> I'm just going to drop my score and okay, be like, fine. okay, fine. I got like a 1620. <laughs> I got a freaking 1620. And I just remember. I love that you even remember that. I remember, I remember it because I just have this memory. Uh, remember our last episode where we said, surround yourself, like, you are the sum of the five people. I remember, I feel like I remember like backtracking with my dad and like talking to him about my score and like sharing because he kind of asked like what all of my best friends got. And I like remember you and um, our other mutual friend, I don't want to like call her out, <laughs> another mutual friend score. <laughs> and he was like, why are they so high compared to yours? And I, I feel like I said something snarky of almost basically like, yeah, well, isn't it smart of me to be friends with smart people? Like that. I That, that is smart. I just have like a core memory of having a conversation with my dad about it. And here we are. <laughs> and you're very smart. You are very smart. Book smarts don't always mean anything. <laughs> I made up for the, my, SAT, my SAT scores in other ways. But anyway, <laughs> I yeah. do not test uh-huh. well. <laughs> okay. It's okay. No one's ever asked for my SAT scores in a job I'm interview. I'm like so. sweating. The fact <laughs> you, that you'll be fine. <laughs> I called you on a good way, Renee Smart AF. No, that's a, thank you. <laughs> thank you for reminding me, um, Melissa. What's your gold star this week? Ooh, okay, mine is a little something called thrifting. Um, mm. and so that yeah, that's basically my gold star. If you've never been thrifting before I suggest you come with me it's really fun but I think I just love how like the direction that thrifting and secondhand clothing and just sustainability and clothing is going the direction we're going it's not perfect um 
And I know there's some like drama between people who resell clothes and like all of that. But for me, fundamentally, like I truly love thrifting and um, giving clothes like a second chance. And shoot, if I can get jeans for $4 versus $158, I will do that time and time again. And I just think it's it's a stress reliever for me. I think it's like I get an adrenaline rush for like the hunt when you're going in the thrift store mm-hmm. and you're looking for things. Um, but that's my gold star. I think just going out, giving yourself the challenge of finding your own sense of fashion and se- like fashion and uh, self while you're going thrifting, it, it makes you be creative. It gives you a challenge. It saves you money unless you like go every single day. Um, and it's just really fun. So I don't know. People are interested in thrifting. Holla at your girl. I also know of like Instagram accounts that like thrift for you. So you don't even have to do the thrifting because it's time consuming. It's exhausting. It's like all those things sometimes. And people will like find clothes and like resell it and make a business out of it. And I love that as well. Um, So I'm not like anti fast fashion or anything like that Sometimes you got to do what you got to do, but I am proud to say that I've been thrifting for a majority of my life and it's my whole personality. So (laughs) you are, I, I I can verify that Melissa is really good at thrifting. I would say honestly, because I don't have a ton of patience. I, I, I like thrifting, but I don't have the same patience you do, but all of the, I would say 90% of the best things I've thrifted have been when I've gone with you. Because you are just so good about just combing through every single <laughs> hanger in that disorganized <laughs> shelf. And you'll be like, oh, my God, Renee, look at this. This is your size. This looks perfect. Try it on. And I'm like, you're right. <laughs> like, I, like, my eyes just, like, glazed over it because I was like, this is too chaotic. So, yeah, Mel- hit up Melissa with questions. She's really good. And I have really cute things in my wardrobe that I can attribute to your thrifting skills. We, yeah, so that time you. we thrifted in, in Charlotte was really fun. I remember, I still remember oh that like God. wool blazer you got, and I was like, oh, so good. The cashmere blend, you know, that I love oh that. Oh my bl- lord, I love that blazer. And you found it. You pulled it off the shelf, and you're like, oh my God, I think this like might might work for you. I well, I pulled it out thinking like, oh my God, it's gonna fit me, and then I looked at it and said. Okay, it's for Renee. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. But that's the the blessing of being taller than that's you. That's <laughs> the thrill of the hunt, though. I actually really love thrifting for other people. Um, that might be my superpower, actually. That's a good superpower. <laughs> How about yours? Um, my gold star, star not superpowers. <laughs> I don't. I'll have to get back to you on my superpower for next next week's episode. SAT scores. Um, I know, and I need. To, <laughs> I test well. <laughs> that is my superpower. Um, personality quizzes. I'm I'm really good at those. Um, no, my gold star is a company that I love called Higher Dose. They are at this intersection of wellness and biohacking, and they have physical locations where you can go in and do like the infrared sauna. I think some of the locations actually have an ice bath cold plunge situation so quote me on the cold plunge but i think that's something they're moving into as well what's biohacking um okay biohacking is 
it's like a Silicon Valley term. It's basically the practices of using technology and science to hack your biology, like your DNA, to make your body optimized, usually with a view to live longer and live healthier. So it's like towards longevity. Okay, okay. And so like cold plunges are kind of biohacking because it like the way that it like does your circulation and the hormesis, it puts your body under good stress. Like I'm not going to go into the science of it, but I love cold um, plunges. They have a lot of, I am. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love cold plunges too. (laughs) I need to get better, but higher dose, if you can go to one of their locations, it's great. But my favorite thing from higher dose is they also have products for you to take home. And I have their infrared sauna blanket. And this sauna blanket is like my security blanket. <laughs> it is, you like go into it. It's like you're in like a little sleeping bag burrito, but it heats your body from the inside out. And so you sweat a lot. Like it's it's a sweaty practice, but it like gives you this rush of endorphins. Your mood's elevated. I've done it if I'm just sleepy because then like once I get out, I take a shower and then it like puts me in a great place to go to sleep. Ooh. If I've been sick, Sometimes like the sweating kind of helps like get some detoxification going to like help speed up working through a cold or something like that. It's, I just, I love it. I, my infrared sauna blanket from higher dose is like, that's what I would save in a fire. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, mind you, the blanket probably start the fire. No, I'm just kidding. It's very safe to use. Forget forget um, photos. I'm going for my infrared Forget blanket. photos. Forget family members. Y'all are on your own. <laughs> I getting need the blanket. this blanket. <laughs> yeah. You're- but yeah, I'll link it. Higher Dose. They have other cool products. They have like PMF mats, which are good for like electromagnetic waves and like the LED. Like if you've seen those like red light LED face masks oh, that yeah. like beauty people wear. They have one that like they just have a lot of great stuff. Um I'm a fan of the brand Higher Dose. I've heard amazing things about infrared and like saunas. Like there's some places whose saunas have the infrared saunas. Um, I'm going to have to check that out. You're like wellness queen. My manifestation for you is like, girl, start your like wellness channel. (laughs) Like you need to like share the goods. You need to share like the tips and tricks and goods. (laughs) And don't worry, if I start a YouTube channel, I will definitely be sharing it here (laughs) so you guys follow my weird, like, journey. (laughs) I know nothing. (laughs) I will teach you. Speaking of manifestations, what are you manifesting Mm -hmm. this week? Um, I'm manifesting this week and beyond this week also is just shoot your shot. That's my manifestation. I feel like I'm someone who let's like I guess maybe the fear of rejection looking stupid failure not knowing what I'm doing like I feel like I have a lot of like fear that holds me back from trying things um, and fully putting myself out there or like my projects out in the world and I'm just manifesting that we push through that fear and just shoot your shot like if the worst that can happen is that you get embarrassed or like some people tease you, you get a couple jokes from your friends, like that's that's okay because the alternative is that you could really get something magical and amazing that you could never even imagine. So just shoot your shot. Like it's most of the time 
the downside isn't that bad. So that's it. I like it. What are you manifesting? Mine <laughs> is pretty short and sweet as well. And it's um, find peace in the in-between. Um, I don't even know where it came from. I have this little thing on my – like a widget on my phone where I have a few quotes that I just like keep there as reminders. And I haven't looked at that in a while and I looked at it today and I was like, oh, that feels a little too on the nose. Um, but definitely <laughs> needed of – and we were talking about this with being in a quarter-life crisis or in a crisis, you know, crisis um, and feeling like it's this weird middle of unknown. And um, I definitely know I'm in like a weird in-between for a few things percolating in my life and and find find some peace in it and it's okay if I don't have all the answers right in my face right now um that I'll get there and and then I can I can do so with a clearer head and gain some clarity soon so that's what I'm manifesting I love that (laughs) shoot your shot shoot your shot and find peace in the in-between and find peace in the (laughs) in-between No, that's great. That's perfect for our episode today, too. Um, Before we sign off, just wanted to give a quick reminder that next week is our next book club episode. Uh, Like we mentioned, we're not revealing the author or the title because we think it's going to pleasantly surprise you all with some good nuggets from an unlikely source. That's a great way to put (laughs) it. But definitely... Yeah, I mean, good nuggets and definitely, you know, worth checking out. But we'll talk more about that next week. So tune in for our book club next week. And otherwise, just thank you for listening and and being a part of our community as we're growing and you're sharing it and interacting with us online and giving us feedback. Uh, We love hearing that stuff. So keep doing it and, and appreciate all of you for just being along for the ride. What Renee said. (laughs) copy and paste Um, well everyone have a great rest of your week we'll see you next week bye